This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. But I will tell you that as we study Bible prophecy, the message that we're going to deal with today probably is one of the most complex in the entire series. But today, because we, we need to move very fast, uh, you will need to almost put the pieces of the puzzle in your mental box and take it home and assemble it. I doubt very seriously that many will be able to put it together today in the service, but we will do our best. We're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 24, and if you have your Bibles, turn there with me, please. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, today's message, the Great Tribulation. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse number 21. The Bible says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if you, or if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Today we're talking about the great tribulation. I'm going to say a couple of things today that may be repetitious in our series thus far, but it's important and imperative that I do it, that you, that you understand what we're talking about. When the rapture of the church takes place, which I personally believe is the next prophetic event that will take place on God's prophetic time schedule, when the rapture of the church takes place, Jesus Christ Himself personally will be taking care of some very serious belief, uh, things for the believer. Now listen carefully. If you're saved, there are a couple of things that you need to be concerned about when we think about the rapture. First of all, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus is going to raise the dead. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then the Bible says that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, I had something to illustrate a timeline here for you today, but I don't, you'll just figure it out in your mind. If you would represent this in your heart and in your mind today, the rapture. This is the event called the rapture. When the rapture takes place, the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them and we will meet the Lord in the air. When the Lord Jesus descends from the portals of heaven, He steps out onto the banks of the air. We'll read that momentarily. We, the dead in Christ, those who are alive and remain, changed in a glorified body, will meet the Lord in the air. The first thing that takes place for you and me after we have received that glorified body is the judgment seat of Christ. Now I want you to think about that. The judgment seat of Christ is not a time, as we've mentioned last Sunday, where Jesus is going to be judging sin. 
Sin was paid for on the cross. He took my place. He took every drop Jesus shed from the cross was payment, was the ransom that was necessary to secure my everlasting life with Him in glory. There is not one ounce of work that I can do in this life. There is no money that I can pay. There is absolutely nothing that I can do to bring myself one step or one ounce closer to grace. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ could pay the redemption for my soul. So when I stand in glory, I'm going to be there only because of one reason. Jesus died on the cross, shed His blood for me, rose from the grave, and in this life I received Him to be my personal Savior. Now I want you to think about that. Sin He died for on the cross. But as we talked about last Sunday, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be receiving rewards. The Bible said some will receive rewards, some will suffer loss. Now here's what I want you to understand. When the rapture takes place, Christ first, and we meet the Lord in the air at the judgment seat, the end of the judgment seat, it will cover a period of three and one-half years. From the rapture to the end of the judgment seat, three and one-half Now, at the beginning of the second three and a half years, because what you have to understand is this. If this plant would represent the rapture, and this plant would represent the revelation. They're, they're two totally different things. We'll see in a minute. Here Jesus comes for His church. Here Jesus comes with His church. But I will tell you this. The span of time between the rapture and the revelation is seven years. There is going to be a seven year tribulation on this earth. But for you and I that are Christians, when the rapture takes place, we receive our glorified body, we meet the Lord in the air, we're going to be experiencing what the Bible describes as the judgment seat of Christ. This world, while every Christian is taken out, will begin the process of going through some of the most horrific events and human imagination. It is called the seven years of tribulation. We're going to be looking at it today in detail and talking about it. Now I want you to know that at the end of the first three and a half years, at that point for you and I, the Lord Jesus is going to be hosting what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now I want you to see this in your Bible. Revelation chapter 19. I want you to turn there with me, if you will, please. Revelation chapter 19. And I want you to notice with me beginning in verse number 10 or 7. We'll read 7 through 10. Revelation 19 beginning with verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife, which is the bride of Christ, hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. 
Now notice this carefully. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and the brethren uh, that have the testimony of Jesus worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here's what I want you to understand. Again, I need to illustrate this so you can keep it in your mind. The rapture takes place. We get our glorified body. We meet the Lord in the air. There's three and a half years that we're there at the judgment seat. At the end of the three and a half years, the Lord Jesus has what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a banquet table prepared for every born again believer. It is the marriage supper. Now the marriage supper also lasts for three and a half years. So you have to understand, the rapture, we're glorified, we meet the Lord in the air. And from that process, the judgment seat, from that process, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then at the end of that is revelation. The whole process for you and I, once we leave this earth glorified and translated in our glorified body, the whole process for you and I as believers will last for seven years. But every single lost person that has been left behind, they will go through seven years of unbelievable, catastrophic events. Now, I want you to think about this. The marriage supper is going to last for three and a half years. So from the rapture to the end of the marriage supper is seven years. But while these things occur, for you and I as believers... For the blood wash redeemed, the day of the rapture, listen, begins seven horrific years for the people who are left behind who did not trust the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. And the Bible calls that time period the Great Tribulation. Now one of the very first things, and you'll need to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to notice verse 7. Here is something that you might not know, maybe you've not given a second thought to, but I think that it's very important that we bring sharp attention to it this morning. One of the very first things that happens at the beginning of the tribulation is this, that the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit, when the rapture takes place, listen to this, not only is the dead in Christ going to rise first, then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up with them. We're going to receive a glorified body. We're going to be translated out of this earth. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. But also, listen carefully, when the trumpet of God sounds, the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy so going to be taken up out of this world. Now, friend, you might not have noticed that or known that before. I want you to notice with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's read verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. Notice this. Until he, the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way. Now listen very carefully. The scriptures teach us over and over again that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, it is the Spirit of God that comes into our hearts. The Spirit of God is not just an influence on our life. 
I love it when people shout and just get happy and dance and raise their hands and praise God and get beside themselves. I love that. But I want you to understand something. Ghost is not a shout. You can sit on a thumbtack and shout. Amen. The Holy Ghost, I want you to know, is a real, live, divine person. The Holy Ghost is just as real as God. The Holy Ghost is just as real as Jesus. I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is a real, live, divine person living and dwelling in the hearts of every single born-again believer. And if the Spirit of God comes into our hearts, if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, when the trumpet of God sounds and the Christians are raptured out, listen, the Holy Ghost has got to come with us. Now think about this just for a minute. The Holy Spirit lives within us when the trumpet sounds and we're caught up and the Holy Spirit is in us. He as well will be taken out of this earth. Just as Second Thessalonians chapter 2 teaches us. Now here's what I want you to understand. With the world as bad as it is today. Can you even begin to imagine what it will be like when the Spirit of the living God is taken completely out of this earth? And without the restraint... Of the Holy Ghost. But just as soon as he is taken out of this world. Many different. Unbelievable. Horrific events begin to take place. Some of which you will find uncomprehendable. When the rapture takes place. It's going to be the beginning of the great tribulation. The Bible gives reference to this in many different places. And time will not permit for us to look at all of them. But I want to give you just a few of them this morning. The tribulation in the Bible is called the time of trouble or it's called Jacob's trouble or it's in fact called the great tribulation. Last week I made reference to one thing and I want to draw attention to it again briefly. And that is this. From time to time we sing songs about when Gabriel sounds the call, when Gabriel blows the trumpet. But I want to show you this morning that Gabriel has no part in this part of the rapture. Now he brought great news to Mary. But friend, listen, I want you to see this because we've got to look at a place in Daniel in just a minute. But I want you to notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just for a moment. And uh, try not to lose these places because we'll be coming back and referencing uh, to them again. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I have to be very quick, notice what the Bible says in verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the, underline the word, the archangel. Do you see that? Underline those two words, the archangel. That's not a plural tense, that's a singular tense, the archangel. Now I want you to see something in the book of Jude, if you will. In verse number 9, the Bible says this. The next to the last book of the Bible, Jude and verse number nine. The Bible says, yet Michael, again, we find those two words, the archangel. Notice that when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not or durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. All right. I want you to notice Revelation 12, verse number seven. 
Revelation 12 and verse number 7, the Bible says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. All right, now understanding that, we need to go to the current text for today, which is Daniel chapter 12. Turn there with me, if you will, please. In the book of Daniel, chapter 12, and notice verse number 1. The Bible says this, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, the archangel that standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble. This is the tribulation, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Now, listen carefully. You just write down the reference. Go back to it later. But Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 says this. Alas, for that day is great so that none is like it, even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Now, there are many different types of theories about this thing called the tribulation. There is what is called the mid-tribulation theory, and there are some who believe that Jesus is going to return after the first three and a half years, and that's called the mid-tribulation theory. There are some people that believe in the post-tribulation theory, which means they believe that Jesus is going to come in the rapture at the end of the tribulation. We do not believe in the mid-tribulation theory. We do not believe in the post-tribulation theory. I want you to understand, we as this church, and I believe according to the scriptures, we believe in the pre-tribulation theory, which means this, that Jesus Christ in the rapture is going to come in this part, this phase of the second coming at the rapture. He will come, listen, at that particular point, which is before the tribulation. Now listen carefully. I don't have time to have you to go through the scriptures, but as I've already mentioned this, when you go to Revelation chapter 1, listen carefully. From Revelation chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 4, you'll find the word church or churches mentioned almost 20 times. Chapter 4, the Bible says, as John the Revelator was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on the island of Patmos in A.D. 96, the Spirit of God moved him. He talked about the rapture being caught up. The Word uses the Scripture as to say, come up hither. When the rapture takes place in Revelation chapter 4, listen, from chapter 5 to Revelation chapter 18, the word church or churches is not mentioned one time. But then in, all of a sudden in chapter 19, we find that the Lord Jesus comes with ten thousands of His saints. So here's my point. If the rapture is different from the revelation, and if Jesus is going to come back before this seven-year period, listen, He cannot come back at the end of the tribulation with His saints until, first of all, He's come back here for His saints. Amen? Somebody say amen. Now we know that he's going to come in the rapture and we know that he's going to come in the revelation. But in the revelation, we're coming back with him. Here, at the beginning, he's coming back There are seven years. The rapture, the glorification, the judgment seat, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And after the marriage supper of the Lamb, he returns with us. So here's the thing that I want you to understand. And you have to get that picture in your mind. 
There are many illustrations. People say, I don't believe it, preacher. I just think we're all going to go through the tribulation. We're all going to go through parts of it. Friend, you just don't understand the scriptures. In the word of God, there are different types of illustrations that I could give you about this going all the way back to the opening pages of Scripture. Listen to this. If you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, God did not destroy the cities, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot and his family were safely outside of the city. When God spoke to Joshua, and he said, I'm going to destroy Jericho. I want you to march around it seven times and blow the trumpets. Do you understand this? That Rahab, God did not destroy Jericho until Rahab, the believers, were out of the city and saved. God did not destroy this world by flood until Noah and his family were safely on board the ark. What I'm trying to tell you is this. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 9, the Bible says, Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Listen, as God did not leave his children in Sodom, he did not leave this, his believers on the earth to be destroyed by the flood. He did not leave Rahab and Jericho. Listen, he is not going to leave you and me to go through a horrific period of seven years. Glory to God, he's coming back. Trump is going to wake the dead and you and I will be changed and glorified and we shall see him as he is. Glory to God. Now listen. Listen very carefully. The first three and a half years when the rapture takes place, we're glorified and we're at the judgment seat. Doctors are going to vanish in operating rooms. Planes are going to fall out of the sky. Unbelievable things are going to happen. The world will be catastrophically jolted into a convulsion. All of a sudden, not just in America, this will happen all over the world. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, there will be a man who will step out onto the center stage of the world and say, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? I can explain this. I can fix this. I know the world is in a horrific state. There are many of us missing. I can explain it. There are so many things that have exploded and gone wrong. The world is burning down to the ground. But I can fix this. Listen to me. And he will be known as the Antichrist. He will step out onto the center stage of the world. And while we are at the judgment seat, all the believers, the Holy Ghost is out. He will step out onto the center stage of the world. And listen, for three, those three and a half years, while we're at the judgment seat, the first three and a half years, he is going to walk out on the center stage of this earth and he is going to bring peace to the entire world. Peace in such a way that there will be some people who actually believe that He is the Messiah. 
The Antichrist will set himself up as the peacemaker. He will be able to solve immediately international and economic problems. He will convince everyone who is opposing this nation and that nation in military conflict to actually disarm. He will have Muslims, he will have Arabs and Christians and Jews holding hands singing Kumbaya in the first three and a half years. Also, now listen to this. There, this is the thing that has to happen either immediately before or immediately after the rapture. And that is the rebuilding of the third temple. Because when Jesus comes here, in the Revelation, you see, from here to here is seven years. When He comes back here, we'll stand judgment seat. But listen, when He comes back here, He will rule and reign. He can't do that until there's a temple. But listen to this. His coming is imminent. Somebody might say, well, he can't come till he builds the temple, till the temple's rebuilt. He can't, listen. Do you realize right now that if, and they are very seriously talking about rebuilding the temple, by the way, I've been to the Holy Land many times and I have actually with my own eyes seen the vessels that they're making, the priestly garments. They are breeding the red heifers now. I'm telling you that they are now putting together everything that is involved in the temple. But here's the thing. The Jewish people have not had a temple for 2,000 years. When they are allowed to build a temple, I guarantee you it will be built almost in a twinkling of an eye. They're not going to have to go through red tape, city hall. They're not going to have to have debates and arguments. Listen, when they are given the green light to put a temple on the temple, my friend, let me tell you this, it will be the fastest state of art construction anybody could ever imagine. That temple will be built quick. And it has to be because of this reason. Because when we are at the judgment seat of Christ and this man walks out and brings peace to this world, the first thing he's going to do is to allow the Jews to once again go into their temple and offer sacrifices just like they did in the old days. He's going to say to them, oh, that's all right, don't worry about it, let them do it. You know, they want to bring these doves in here, these, these cats, let them do it. We just all... We're the world. I mean, we're just all getting along. Let them do it. And so the Jewish people are going back to the Old Testament, the Levitical sacrifices. Offering these sacrifices. And listen, while we're at the judgment seat, three and a half years, for three and a half years, this man is going to allow them to do it. But at the end of the first three and a half years, when Jesus begins to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, here, the Antichrist is going to look over there at the temple and he's going to say, listen, I've had just about enough of this. We're not going to do it anymore. When that happens in the middle of the tribulation, listen, the corner is going to turn and the gates of hell are going to open up beyond your imaginations. But let me share this with you while you're turning your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to this. I want to ease your mind about two things that are not going to happen. 
I'm going to share with you many horrific things that are going to happen in just a moment, but I want to share with you two things very quickly that will not happen. First of all, none of us have to worry about a nuclear atomic bomb explosion that's going to wipe humanity off of the face of the earth. Well, what if, what if Iran and North Korea and all those, would they just push the button? Well, let me tell you this. There is a passage of Scripture. I cannot explain to you the, the, the catastrophes that would happen if they were to do something like that. But I will tell you this, that this earth is not going to be destroyed by the Antichrist. This earth is not going to be destroyed by the Iranians. It's not going to be destroyed by the North Koreans. I want you to see this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But the heavens... Verse 7, notice this, chapter 3, verse 7. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved in the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Let me tell you something. This world will come to a screeching halt, but it won't be a man that pushes a button. When this earth catches on fire, friend, I'm telling you that God himself will push the button. Now listen to this. Number two, the unsaved dead will not be raised at this point as well. The unsaved dead will not be resurrected when the dead in Christ are resurrected. And we'll be talking about that a little later on. You can write this scripture down, Revelation 20, verse number five, and refer to it later. But I've got to move very quickly into something that I want you to see here. In Revelation chapter 11, turn there quickly with me. Revelation chapter 11. I don't know that I can finish this today. I might have to finish it in the service tonight. But I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 11. Here's what's going to happen. When the rapture takes place, the dead in Christ rise with them. We're changed. We receive a glorified body. We spend three years at the judgment. At the end of three years, three and a half years, here's what's going to happen. The Antichrist is for sacrifice temple long but he's going to step out at the end of three and a half years and said enough of this they're going to worship me at this point listen very carefully God is going to send this earth and the witnesses are going to come back at the end of the first three and a half year period for a purpose only one purpose only and that is to share the gospel to everyone who has never heard a clear presentation of the gospel you say preacher are you telling me that there will be people saved during that seven year period? Absolutely. We're going to see millions of people. But I can guarantee you this. If you have ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel and you have said no to the Holy Ghost, and you're, you will not be included into that possibility. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is going to give a strong delusion. He's going to blow a delusion on this earth or you're going to believe a lie your minds will not be able to comprehend the truth that these witnesses are preaching. Now listen to this. In Revelation chapter 11, I want you to see this in verse number 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. And if you read the rest of the verses, you're going to find out what they actually do in their ministry. Now, who are these two witnesses? Well, I believe I know exactly who they are. And I'm going to share with you very quickly what I believe. In Revelation chapter 11, verse number 6, the Bible says, 
These have power to shut up heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Well, who was they? Who was the prophet that had the ability to stop the heavens from raining? Well, it was Elijah the prophet. Now, I want you to hold your finger here because we're going to come right back to it. But turn with me to Malachi chapter 4, just for a minute. The last book of the Old Testament. The last book of the Old Testament. Now, I can, I can give you his name according to the Scriptures. In the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 4 and verse number 5, the Bible says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's the revelation. He's going to send Elijah. So we know that Elijah was one of the prophets who prophesied in his day and he shut the rains from heaven from falling. But who is this other one, preacher? In Revelation chapter 11, in verse number 3, the Bible says he's going to send two witnesses. Well, in chapter 11, let's read on just a little bit further in verse number 6. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Now, who was that? Take your Bibles quickly and turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7, and I want you to notice with me verse 17. So Revelation chapter 11, verse number 6, mentions very carefully the works of these men as they lived on the earth. Malachi teaches us that Elijah the prophet is one that shut the rains from falling from heaven. But who is this man that has power to turn water to blood? Exodus 7, verse 17, Thus saith the Lord, In in this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite the rod that is in my hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. That was Moses. So in these scriptures, God, from what we're reading today, is going to send in the middle of the tribulation, Elijah and Moses, To witness to those who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Now notice this in Revelation chapter 7. And I'm going to show you why the Jehovah's Witness get it all mixed up right now. If you're a Jehovah's Witness today, I make no apology. You need Jesus. You need to be saved. Amen. Now notice this in Revelation chapter 7. Notice this with me, if you will, in verse number four. You see, because the Jehovah's Witness believe this, that only 144,000 people are going to heaven. That's what they believe. They build the, the cornerstone of eternity for the Jehovah's Witness is built on this false theory that only 144,000 people are going to heaven. Now listen, I do not know of any Jewish synagogues in this community that is run and empowered by the Jehovah's Witness. Every Jehovah Witness that knocks on my door or your door and passes out a Watchtower magazine, listen, are Gentiles. And they believe that during this seven-year period and during the earthly life that they live, listen, they can do so many works, wonderful things that 
If they work hard enough, they can become one of these 144,000. That's what they base their entire denomination on. They believe that only 144,000 are going to be saved. Only 144,000 are going to be in the presence of God for eternity. And the rest of this crowd is just going to be non-existent anymore. They believe that hell is right now here on earth. But I, if they would just read the Bible, listen to this. Notice with me. In Revelation chapter 7, verse number 4, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000. Listen, that's where they stopped. That's where they put the period. But if they would read on in the scripture just a little bit farther, and 4,000 of all, notice that, of the tribes of the children of Israel. Listen, there are going to be 144,000 people saved in the tribulation, but they are not Gentiles. They are all Jews saved from the preaching of Moses and Elijah. Now, from their witness, the witness of 144,000, millions of people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel will be saved. Notice verse number 9. After this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no notice that no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And I could go on and on with that and listen, at the end of their ministry they're going to be slain in the streets. Moses and Elijah in the streets and this world is actually going to celebrate it. CNN. NBC, ABC will we'll televise this all over the world. These two men laying in the streets. They're going to be beheaded. Read the rest of chapter 11. At the end of a few days, God's going to raise them up, take them back to heaven. You can read that in that passage of Scripture. But at this point, notice with me in chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13, when the Antichrist stops the worship, and the sacrifices of the Jews in their temple. And after these two witnesses are killed, notice this, in chapter 13, beginning with verse number 16. The Bible says this, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy, sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Now I want you to, we're going to be talking more about that next Sunday in the Sermon of the Antichrist. But here's something that I want you to understand that's going to take place in the middle of the tribulation. In verse number 11 of chapter 13, the Bible says this, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and, which, and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. 
And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor. And we just read those scriptures to worship or to take the mark of the beast. Now I want you to see this in chapter 16. Notice this very carefully. In chapter 16, I want you to see what's going to happen after the, after the Antichrist stops the sacrifices in the temple, after he kills the two witnesses, after he demands that every human being has a mark in their right hand or forehead, no one can buy, sell, or trade without it. Notice what immediately begins to happen in chapter 16. And I heard in verse 1, a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his veil, a vial on the earth, and there fell a noisome, grievous sore. Notice this. Sores are going to appear on all humanity. Upon the men which had the mark of the beast, anybody that takes the mark of the beast in the tribulation, there's going to be like leprosy, there's going to be like boils, unbelievable sores appearing on their flesh. And upon them which worshipped his image, and the second angel poured out, in verse 3, his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Which means this, that every living thing in the sea is going to begin floating to the surface. Think of the stench. Think of the disease. Now men have sores, women have sores, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, who took the mark of the beast. Verse number four, and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and thou hast given them blood to drink for they are worthy. They're not going to be able to produce a good, clean drink of water. It's all blood. There is disease. There are sores. In verse 7, And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Are you with me? The rivers, the water system is going to be turned into blood. There is no drinking water. The stench and the death comes to the top of the sea. God is now pouring out wrath. Men and women are now being blistered with these ungodly, unthinkable sores. And now he is turning the sundial. Notice this, the heat is going to scorch them. Literally, their flesh will be set on fire. Verse 9, and men were scorched with the great heat and blasphemed the name of God in their sores without being able to get a drink of water. As the sun, the heat is setting them on fire. You would think, listen, by this time, anybody with the brain wave, the IQ level of a plant would get on their knees and say, God, I've had enough of this. I, I believe that you are Jehovah. I'm sorry for this. And they would listen, while they are burning literally on their flesh and these boils are popping open all over them from head to toe, the Bible says they blaspheme the name of God which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And notice this, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up 
that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Oh, friend, listen to this. All of this sets the stage for Armageddon. All of it. You might say, well, I've got a lot of time. Well, we don't know when this rapture thing is going to take place. i got a lot of time. And if I run out of time, somewhere in the tribulation, I, I, I'll turn then. I preacher, I just got a lot of living left to do. I got to get my ducks in the row. I, I'm making my business, thinking about my education, trying to get my career in place. Now, I've got a lot of living left to do. Preacher, I just don't have time for this rapture thing right now. And when, if and when it does happen, somewhere in the process, I'll try turn over a new leaf and give my heart to Jesus. I have one final scripture for you and we'll close. In 2 Thessalonians, I want you to see this. In 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, I want you to notice with me. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, this is the Antichrist, with all the power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Notice this, because they received not the love of the truth, that's the gospel, John three sixteen, that they might be saved. And for this cause, friend, if you don't listen to anything I say this morning, I beg you to listen to this in verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So here's my advice to you. This rapture thing could happen today. Don't take your chances. Take Jesus. Take Jesus. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.